traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land. land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Last time on the Twilight Zone podcast, Zach and I managed to come together as a family and complete an episode looking at the newest Twilight Zone, Six Degrees of Freedom. But tonight it's time for you to give your thoughts, so I'll hand over to you to see what you thought of Six Degrees of Freedom. Wow, I just finished Six Degrees of Freedom and was completely blown away by it. Um, really feel like this is one of those modern masterpieces of the Twilight Zone. The lens that I'm looking through the new series through is kind of looking at what homages to the original series are there and how are they making those timely and current while also being timeless. And this episode really, uh, really definitely did that. I felt like as far as homages, there were shades of the shelter with the imminent, uh, you know, nuclear destruction happening and these very tense scenes of, you know, having to, to decide what to do to survive. Survive. Um, I also felt like definite homage to the original Twilight Zone movie, which is the original Planet of the Apes, with um, you know the captain of that ship, the Charlton Heston character, sort of wondering, okay, uh, humanity, there's got to be something better out there than man, because man is you know destroying itself, um, destroying everything, and what a juxtaposition with the captain of this ship and what, you know, what a difference, but definitely a a little bit of a callback to that because they're literally fleeing earth as it's being destroyed by nuclear weapons and this, this whole, you know, race to win and dominate and all of that stuff and how just, how just utterly stupid and destructive that is. And the episode and, and these people on the ship actually give you a perfect example of a better way, you know, a better way of being um, in the world and and even in other worlds. So, I mean, it's just really beautifully done. So a little callback to the original Planet of the Apes there. And lastly, I think I felt like this was some shades of Where Is Everybody, which I think was probably the original pilot episode of the original season as you're being taken along this ride, but you're actually within an experiment. And that's sort of the big twist ending. So I felt like there was a little callback to where is everybody, but you know, in the scheme of making it something completely original, while respectfully uh, making a nod to those original um, episodes, and I just love that you know humanity and empathy were the heart of this episode, and it wasn't just that they had to be human and be empathetic in order to survive in the small picture, but also in the big picture. You know, the the point of the experiment was, can this species do this very difficult thing that hasn't really uh, been done very much before? And in order to do that, it's got to be not just cooperation, but, you know, they've actually got to be a family. And, you know, that, that song, sort of the foreshadowing of the song, the, you know, my... 
my family or my strange family that they played in the beginning was a nice little foreshadowing of that. Also really loved the foreshadowing and the comment on War of the Worlds. Um, and I can't believe it's almost been 100 years, but it, it, it's getting there. Just love how that foreshadowed um, what was happening, what's real, what's not real. They really unfolded that really well throughout the episode and just a beautiful job of that and um just yeah this is just an absolute masterpiece of an episode loved it um the one last little thing i'll throw in kind of at random is that i saw somewhere online that there's a a sort of a meme or something that's like the jordan peele shot and that shot you know was in get out it was in us some of the other stuff he's done where it's basically the protagonist a close-up of the protagonist's face in a moment of shock, but shock born of revelation of, you know, the curtain being torn and understanding something, the big reveal, and it's an expression of shock, and there's like one tear coming down the face, and there was definitely, that seemed like sort of a a recurring thing in this episode, you kind of got that Jordan Peele shot, that one tear coming down, and I think that that sort of speaks to the empathy and, uh, in the humanity that was the the heart of the episode, you know, so just really loved this one. Didn't expect to be so blown away by it, but definitely was. And I can't wait to see what's next. And uh, this is just a great ride. Cheers. This is John from British Columbia, Canada. And here are a few of my thoughts and observations on six degrees of freedom. I love this one. Of all the episodes of the 2019 Twilight Zone series, this one is my favorite, hands down. And if all the remaining episodes hit this level of quality, the series could be just as memorable as the original Twilight Zone. The story works with a small cast of characters, a small space, and very few special effects. Now, Six Degrees of Freedom borrows heavily from Ray Bradbury's 1950 story collection, The Martian Chronicles. The book is one of the better science fiction works of that era. And the last two stories in the collection, There Will Come Soft Rains and The Million Year Picnic, cover some of the themes in this Twilight Zone episode. Perhaps naming the spacecraft Bradbury Heavy is a way of recognizing the heavy Bradbury influence. And if so, I'm impressed with the name. But this isn't a simple retelling of the Martian Chronicles. This episode, like most if not all in the 2019 series, asks the question, what is real? Or more precisely, what is truth? The reference to the 1939 War of the Worlds radio broadcast on Mercury Theatre on the Air is a great way to frame this question. That was an amazing radio drama, and today there are some questions about whether the panic was real or whether it was sensationalized by the news media of the day. In other words, was the panic just some fake news? Now in this episode, a character on the spacecraft keeps saying, none of this is real, and it adds to the underlying Twilight Zone question. By the end, I wasn't sure how the story would play out. Now, there's one scene in this episode. The characters are sitting around a table together. The tabletop has a weird, twisted checkerboard pattern. 
As soon as I saw that table and the pattern, I wondered if the characters were in a spaceship or in a prison. Why that question? Well, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to tour a new state-of-the-art correctional facility an hour's drive away from where I live. The jail was about to open and the public could have a look at it. Cells were set up in pod units, several cells together, all sharing a common area. And the tables in the common area looked very similar to the one in this Twilight Zone episode. And then later, when we see the bunks, they also look similar to the beds at the correctional facility. Wasn't quite the same. The astronauts were not locked in individual cells. But when I saw the table and the design of those bunks, my question was whether they had somehow ended up in a jail. As it turns out, I'm still not sure. The ending, and I love this ending, but it leaves me with some unanswered questions. I hope to find the answers in The Twilight Zone. I've had an email from Alex, and he says, Hello Tom, my name is Alex from Puerto Rico. First time sending feedback. Well, you're most welcome, Alex. Thank you. I've noticed connections between this episode and two episodes, A Traveller and Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, being that at the end of this episode, the alien said that they would make contact. So this episode is present tense. And when the aliens land in A Traveller, it's at Christmas, seven months after April 25th, the date that the Mars mission banner said at the airport in the Nightmare at 30,000 Feet episode. Also, there was a toy plane reference of Flight 1015 in this episode, suggesting the plane disappeared before they left, and timeline-wise puts the comedian and the wonderkind before Nightmare. Also, the Tina AI doll Easter egg was great. Thanks, and I hope you have a great day. And thanks for the read, Alex. Well, thank you, Alex. Hope you have a great day, too. Hi, Tom. Brandon Shamitala here, friend of the show. I just wanted to send in my thoughts for the latest episode of The Twilight Zone, the Mission to Mars episode, uh, Six Degrees of Freedom, I think it was called. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I thought this episode was pretty fantastic. I thought it was quite the pot boiler and reminiscent of very many uh, original Twilight Zones. One of the ones I was thinking was, I'm sorry, I'm not as good with the names, uh, but the one in the basement where the, the guy brought the three people uh, who had offended him in his past. Uh, I thought it was kind of reminiscent of that because they were in an enclosed environment. It was very, you know, stressful. Well, I, I realized the themes of those two episodes are not very much the same. I was, I was thinking of that one. Um, but I, I thought this was really well done. And, you know, I kind of like post-apocalyptic science fiction. Um, I was thinking a lot of the movie uh, Sunshine, uh, directed by Danny Boyle as well, watching this. And... You know, I'm kind of glad that they called out uh, a little bit early on that they thought the mission was fake because then it gave me some doubt because I was thinking that the mission was fake the whole time because they couldn't open the blast doors. Uh, so, you know, it's really well done in the final, of the finale of the episode because it still kind of leaves it open to interpretation. You could still interpret it one of two ways. This could either be 
you know, a test by these aliens and that they were in a controlled environment the whole time. Or they could have actually made it to Mars in the end. You're not sure. Maybe that was some kind of a holodeck at the end um, when they got off of the ship. So it's really kind of left open to your own interpretation. Uh, that's kind of personally how I saw the ending is that it ended up being they were on some kind of holodeck that these aliens were watching because of all those digital images that you saw. So that's what uh, kind of steered my interpretation of the episode towards that. But I, I thought this was all around fantastic, except for one thing. Boy, I wish they'd cut down the swearing. I don't have a problem with swearing in shows. You know, I'm watching Deadwood. I'm doing a rewatch of Deadwood for the new HBO movie if that's coming out for that one. But I don't know. It just doesn't fit in the Twilight Zone. It doesn't fit for me. Or at least maybe if they just pulled it back a little bit. Uh, that's really the only element of the show that I wish they would change. Uh, I think in, with swearing on television, you know, you really got to be... It's really got to serve a purpose for the storyline because it doesn't have to be there. You know, as a Star Trek fan, I didn't like it when Data said, you know, what he said in Generations because it just was there so they could throw it on the movie. You know, we're in a big screen. We're going to start throwing in some swearing. And I don't know. I just wish that they wouldn't do it. I personally swear like a sailor. But I mean, in my podcasts, I don't swear at all because it's 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 an entertainment Right, and you, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but there's podcasts out there where they swear, and I I purposely choose to not listen to those podcasts, you know. And it's not like I'm going to stop watching this show simply because of the swearing. It, it's just an element that I wish they'd pull back on. But but again, this episode was fantastic. This is probably my favorite of the series so far. Um, you know, like again, this, you know. Aside from last week's episode that just missed for for certain little elements, um, this season's been you know hitting a home run pretty much every week. So you know I'm at five out of six that I really loved. Uh, the comedian's really grown on me the more I thought about it. Uh, but yeah, this is great. I'm looking for more. I'm so thrilled about the news of the second season renewal, which means we're going to get some more great television. Uh, yeah, so I love it. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for uh, including my thoughts. And you have yourself a wonderful day. Hey there, Tom. Harold Clark reporting in from Buda, Texas, talking about six degrees of freedom. I have a unique experience to share with everybody regarding the Twilight Zone. We have a 16-year-old exchange student from Tokyo, Japan named Aqua. And uh, he was real excited to, to watch these new Twilight Zones because he knew that, that I was a big fan of Twilight Zone. And so I have been showing him some of the old ones. But then every, every Thursday, you know, we sit down and, and we watch uh, the new Twilight Zones. So he asked me uh, at dinner last week, he said, Did you read anything about the, this last episode, Six Degrees of Freedom? I said, no, I said, I looked at some of the headlines um, you know, to try and figure out a little bit more about the episode. And he said, well, he said he likes the, the older episodes because they were easier to understand. Now, I asked him a couple times, I said, have you have you seen this one? Does this seem familiar? Because I thought surely he's seen, you know, To Serve Man or Monsters Who Do on Maple Street or, you know, Eye of the Beholder, you know, something similar to that but nope he is coming in completely fresh so it's really interesting to to pause some of these old episodes and ask him what he thinks about it 
And, you know, I just recently showed him the twi- uh, the uh, the Howling Man uh, right before we watched this last episode. And, you know, we paused, you know, a couple times through the show. And, yeah, he, he was quite confused when they said there was no man in the Hermitage. You know, but by the end of the episode, you know, it all made sense. And he enjoyed the fact that he could now go back and watch the episode again, not to try and figure it out. But to 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 see what the devil was saying and and how everything then did fit in logically. So I say all that to say with this last episode, I think we were still a little bit confused of what exactly was happening. Um, we paused it multiple times and um, you know to try and and ask him. And I and I realized even before Aqua m- made mention about him liking the the older episodes better. I realize that that I think us as, you know, uber Twilight Zone fans, we come into these episodes uh, with with our history. So, you know, for instance, you know, we pause this episode near the end, you know, when when we're trying to just determine is this real? Is it fake? What's going on? And I said, what do you think's happening? And he's he's trying to think about it. And he. He was unsure, but I, but I was, I had all these old Twilight Zone episodes in my head, and I said, "Hey, you know, uh, are these toys? You know, are, are the people even real? Um, are 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 these people? Are we pets? Maybe we're pets of somebody? You know, stop over in a quiet town. Um, you know, and I had all these episodes that I was trying to use as a frame of reference to, to explain this story, and he he didn't have any of that frame of reference, so he was just really. Uh, you know, he just his he didn't think the idea of humans as pets was an e- even an option. I said, well, there's an episode <laughs> that maybe I need to show you. You know, uh, he he had seen five characters in, in Search of an Exit. So he had that kind of frame of reference. But it was just really interesting to see us you know, trying to puzzle it out. Um, again, I haven't read anything. I haven't listened to your your podcast yet, Tom, uh, to, to see what people are really saying about it. So I'm. I'm not real sure because at the beginning it seems to be that this is some sort of case study and it's it's there's a female narrator talking about this case study but then at the end um the aliens their 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 uh, language needs to be subtitled so i don't know if they're one in the same uh for me i think it would have been it would have been cool or i think a possible ending would be when they do the final shot of them making it onto mars and they back up and you can see that they are indeed on a Martian landscape that the camera continues to back out. And you realize, and finally it like busts through, quote, the Great Barrier. And the Great Barrier is actually like, like a, I don't know, a sphere aquarium that contains our universe. And then you see that the aliens are actually like have multiple universes in their I don't know, you know, science hall or something. And they're maybe they maybe they have strains of humans that they're that they're making. They're trying to determine which strain of human has the best, I don't know, desire for exploration, which is the smartest. And maybe some have failed. But this one here shows promise because they've, quote, made it to Mars. So, you know, interesting episode. But, um, you know, uh, we'll see what the next episode is like. I have no clue what that episode is going to be like. So I'm, I'm excited about what's what unknown is coming up next. So uh, until then, I will talk at you next week. Okay, bye.
I've had an email from TZ Fan and they say, Hey Tom, I like how the episode played with the idea of individual insanity versus collective insanity. Peel's narration was a great little starter here and the best narration of the season so far. Insanity, it seems, according to the writers, is a battle between the individual's perspective of reality and the shared perspective of the group, with objective reality lagging somewhere behind. Pearson touches on this concept of individualised reality when discussing people's varying song preferences. The group quickly dismisses Pearson's song concept as odd, and it quickly loses validity. This interaction also foreshadows later events regarding Pearson's hypothesis about the ship being watched. Pearson again raises a point that's outside of the group's norm and is quickly dismissed despite its accuracy, resulting in him losing credibility once again. Like the rest of the season, the episode is asking the question, what is real? Can the lone individual impact the reality of the whole? Was Pearson insane because the rest of the group thought so? Who gets to own and give that label, the collective or the individual? In that same regard, is the crew insane at the end? They believe they are on Mars, but the narrator says they shouldn't believe their own eyes. The objective truth is they're wrong, but to each other's, they're sane and correct. Is the majority group perception more valuable than the objective reality? It would seem not. It seems the writers keep pointing to the fact that our actions have consequences and that a single individual or minority opinion acting out of truth can have a larger impact than that of a crazed whole. The objective truth almost takes a backseat to our own perception in the short term until it forces us to confront it. While the objective truth will eventually catch up with us, the invasion, the global conflict, the way we treat each other and our inability to listen to each other can also result in our own undoing, North Korea, US conflict, Pearson crew conflict. There are also a bunch of other examples of collective madness and individual reality throughout the show, the War of the Worlds radio show, the Captain's Dreams, nuclear war etc. As an aside, I particularly like the pseudo-symmetry of how humans nearly destroyed themselves on a planet sent a ship which led a few humans to survive, then the humans nearly destroyed themselves on the ship, but then found a planet which led a few humans to survive. As always, it's great hearing your thoughts on the Twilight Zone, and I'm very appreciative of the work you do on the show. Keep up the great work, and thanks for keeping the Twilight Zone discussion alive. And that is from TZ Fans. Thank you, thanks for writing in. Hi Tom, this is Richard from New York. So this is the second episode I've recorded a listener reaction audio for. Um, the first one access accidentally sent to the wrong email address, so someone out there is having a good laugh listening to my heartfelt response to Wonderkin, which turns out that I was one of the few people who really seemed to like that episode. I thought it was a really great episode. But onto this week's episode, Six Degrees of Freedom which was also really great. I don't have anything particularly negative to say about it, except that um, I was very confused by the ending. Um, and it, it actually created a question in my mind, which I'll pose to you, which is, 
Maybe the great filter isn't just mankind's ability to travel to the next planet before they destroy themselves, but mankind's ability to realize that they're in a simulation or being monitored um, um, before they destroy themselves. <laughs> Um, or rather, mankind's ability to think outside of their normal parameters um, to question things. Um, because maybe the success story in the point of view of the aliens isn't just that they landed on Mars, if they did, but rather that this one guy was able to wake up from the simulation. Um, I say this because the ending was really vague. I couldn't tell if they really landed on the planet or they were abducted by aliens and they're in a lab somewhere or a whole number of other things. Um, so I have to admit that the episode would have, I, I liked the episode a lot, but it would have been stronger maybe if the ending was a little clearer. But, um, but I know that from listening to the podcast that rewatching the episode can change your opinion dramatically on it, um, which I haven't done yet. I plan to do that after I watch the entire series and, um, I'll start over from the beginning, rewatch everything. Um, but outside of that, I thought it was really beautiful, really well done. Um, when Jerry was losing his mind, it was very gripping. Um, however, I wish when the porthole had opened, there was some kind of visually striking um, twist that would have happened. Um, so I thought that was like a missed opportunity. But all these, I mean, I know I'm saying a lot of criticism, but it was really strong and it was really great and it was fun television. And I really am looking forward to the next episodes and I really like the direction they're taking with this new Twilight Zone. So that's all I have to say about it. Um, thanks for listening and um, thank you for all the great podcasts um, that you're doing and um, keep up the good work. Okay, bye. Richard, first of all, welcome. It's, uh, it's nice that you've taken the plunge and sent some audio thoughts in and you join several people who have done it which is which is really great and i thank you for doing that um your question about the great filter i'm not sure whether it was for me or kind of posed to everybody out there but i thought i'd speak about it briefly because i have been reading up and watching some videos about the filter and obviously i think they crystallize it into a, a few short sentences in the episode which is great because that's what we need to understand in order to incorporate it into this. When you look at it as a whole and the amount of stuff that's out there about it, it is a fascinating subject and one that I haven't quite got my head around yet. You know, I, I watched a video earlier about not only the great filter existing, but where on the line of that filter are we? We might be at the beginning of it, we might actually be at the end of it and depending on where we are is how hopeful a situation that is does it spell our doom and so on man it blows your mind it really does so i i don't know the answer to that question but it's certainly one that's really worth digging into and another contributor andrew who we'll hear from in a moment sent me the name of a podcast that looks at this in one of the episodes and it's called the End of the World with Josh Clark. So I'm going to check that out. I haven't checked it out yet, but if anyone wants some enlightenment on the Great Filter and what it is and, and so on, maybe that's a good place to start. So thanks for writing in. Hi Tom, this is Andrew from Los Angeles. 
For the most part, I really like this episode. I think they did the dramatic tension really well, especially for the shuttle launch scene and when the uh, solar flare was about to hit the ship. I don't know about you, Tom, but I think this was the most stressed out I've ever felt while watching a Twilight Zone episode. I think they pulled it off really well. I was on the edge of my seat, not knowing if the guy was going to get the whole ship destroyed or if the simulation was going to suddenly end. It was a really great scene. It felt really slow between the shuttle launch and the solar flare scene, but it did give me time to think about what kind of twist might be coming up. And it did seem suspicious that they couldn't look through the windows, so I was totally thinking the same thing as the Pearson character, that it was all a simulation to train astronauts. If that had been the case, I think that would have been a cool nod to the first episode of Twilight Zone, Where Is Everybody? Except this time it would be with a group of astronauts instead of just one guy. I noticed a couple cross-references with this episode... The uh, Whipple Company, of course, which we've seen in the earlier episodes. And then also, one of the crew members had a toy plane that was the plane from Nightmare at 300,000 feet. When I saw the trailer for this episode, they make it pretty clear that the Earth has been destroyed somehow. And I was really thinking, oh, maybe this is when they're going to say... The reason why the Earth is destroyed is because President Oliver Foley was the person to launch the first nukes. So a little disappointed they didn't do that. I think it would have been a fun way to tie the episodes together. I guess with all these references between the episodes, I'm hoping it'll build up to something more important by the time the season ends. I guess we'll see. Anyways... Thanks for the good work, Tom. Looking forward to the next episode. Hey, Tom. Uh, I'm not going to dance around it here. I think this was one of, if not the best, of the new series. Um, Writing, acting, directing, everything in here worked for me. If there was a moment when the plot slowed down, I thought the direction kept things visually interesting. When the story had to slow down and be told, uh, the actors all hit their marks. Mere minutes into this episode, I could feel the weight of the story, the weight of the moment, um, just based on their reactions, I thought they all just knocked it out of the park. Um, the writing, uh, what more can I say? It just had that classic sci-fi touch. You know, that stuff we talk about on the show, uh, the Twilight Zone, the Pulp Magazine, the Dimension X feeling, um, but still felt new and fresh, and I thought it was just perfect. Um, I am a little biased. You know, this episode checks a lot of boxes for me. It's post-apocalyptic. It's a bottle episode kind of you know although a very expensive one um it's character driven these are all things that i seek out whenever i read or watch or listen to sci-fi stuff uh this had it all for me compared to other episodes um i felt a lot of them have run a little long um i'm always left thinking you know maybe this could have used one more draft or a little bit more editing um they all seem to meander sometimes but this one felt like it thrived off a little bit of roughness. You know, it felt raw in a good way. Um, Six Degrees of Freedom, it just allowed us to live with the characters and allowed us to just sit with what was happening to them and what was happening in the story. And, you know, I'll certainly be coming back to it again for a second viewing, but I thought that everything came together to just make it a a, a great episode. 
Um, other things, uh, I love naming the mission after Bradbury. Uh, not really a Twilight Zone Easter egg as much as just a general sci-fi one, um, especially because he wrote the, the Martian Chronicles and it was a mission to Mars. Um, if you've never read it and you're a fan of sci-fi, even if you're not a fan of sci-fi, um, to any of you listeners, I highly recommend that. It's a book of short stories that all kind of center around Mars. Uh, beyond that, not much else except that I think this was as good a start to the second half of the season as any of us could hope for. Um, I can't wait for the rest, and I can't wait to listen to your episode. Thanks, Tom. Hey, Tom. Uncommon NASA here with some feedback on episode six of the new season, Six Degrees of Freedom. Really good episode. I, I think it's it's interesting, like the last um, last two episodes, I sent you some feedback, and, and of course, thinking about it myself, I, I wasn't a huge fan of either episode within the context of how good the show is and, and has the potential to be. Not that they were bad television or anything that extreme, but it kind of gets you into a mentality once you start to notice things where you're just critiquing, 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 and... Um, you know, you start to become like, uh, especially when you really care about the product, you start to become a bit obsessive about it. That's sort of how art works when you get invested in it. So I was really happy to see an episode where um, I was sort of allowed to just sit back and enjoy it um, as I did the the first three episodes for the most part and all three of them. And um, I, it's just really refreshing. I'm really glad that, that this episode happened and, and that it came to be. So with that said, I don't have a whole lot to say about it except good uh, but I would say um, a couple of things to point out. I, I didn't see the twist coming, which was probably the first one. I mean, obviously, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, it was so off the wall that it was kind of... And, and no one really understands what actually happened. So that twist I didn't really see coming. Um, but the rest of them I, I probably pretty much did. Or at least I wasn't surprised when it happened. Whereas this one, I... I was convinced, you know, by the writing and the way that it was done that, um, that Pearson has just lost it. He's just crazy and, it, it, and he's not right, uh, in the head. And, uh, when I watched it a second time, I, I noticed some of the little hints and, and things that, that this theory that they were just being watched and that this wasn't real, you know, were kind of laid out like there were, you know, static interferences and, and, you know, you saw the silhouette of the alien, which I didn't understand at the time when I watched it at first. And there was also, uh, you know, hints about nightmares. Are we in a nightmare? You know, um, the captain said that Jordan Peele even said that. So I just didn't pick up on it. Even like the when you watch it the second time, even the the intro with the with the voiceover, the documentary style thing, like I, I guess when I first watched it, I thought it was sort of like a news report from the future or something like that. Um, and now it's, like, obvious that that's just part of this analysis from the aliens. What I found really interesting about the whole family aspect of it is that they really did a good job with the writing and making it believable. And, and the best example I can give is just how pissed off and, and disgruntled um, Ray Tanaka, the character Ray Tanaka, was. Because she didn't want to... She didn't want to launch, and then she didn't want to leave orbit after that. She didn't want to go to Mars once... Um, you know, the missiles were fired and, um, obviously she was, she was lashing out and, and doing things against the captain. And then at a certain point, you know, when the captain started to break down and she started to go through some, some self-doubt and some doubts in their mission, that's when you saw like Ray Tanaka's character sort of like warm back up to her 
and come back home and and that sort of like solidified like beyond like them singing songs together and and generally liking each other like that kind of showed that they could argue and disagree for for months on end and then come back to their friendships and their and their strengths and I think that's just good writing. That's just quality. To be able to include that in there in, in a format that only allows you 45 or 60 minutes and, and have that full cycle. I thought all five characters were fairly well developed, if not very well developed, um, for the time that was, again, for the time that's allowed. Um, I thought the acting was really good, particularly um, the guy who played Pearson and, of course, the captain herself. One thing that my wife pointed out that I thought was really interesting this is either so obvious that none of us on this show in this forum have mentioned it or i just missed it but whipple the brand uh is named after a twilight zone episode called the brain center at whipples uh from season five it was actually toward the very end of the season and it was a rod serling written episode as everyone listening knows um but it, it basically talked about this um sort of ceo type person that was replacing all of his workers with robots and and then eventually he got replaced by a robot and the company continued without him and um that episode has never been regarded very well until very recently and now that we see like more and more ai and more and more robotics that episode's starting to get a bump um it's interesting how a show like the twilight zone sort of has ups and downs there are certain episodes that were popular at certain points that aren't as popular now and you know, some episodes get a rise, and this episode sort of with the internet and sort of memes and things like that has sort of had a lift, and I didn't even realize, like, the, the name Whipple was familiar to me, but there was actually like a an anchor in the New York area named Whipple, and it kind of threw me off, because uh, he was like a weird personality out here, but it threw me off from like where the name Whipple actually came from, so... I don't. I might be the, the the 18th person to actually say that or notice it, but I, I just figured I'd put that out there into the air in case it becomes relevant. It is kind of cool that they're referencing so many things. For the original Twilight Zone, uh, Bradbury Heavy is such a cool name for for the ship as well. And I guess the last thing that I would say is I'm kind of curious what people think because I'm not really sure what I think. Like, I get that the aliens created a fake environment, but did they did they intercede in the earth's governments and, and sort of force hands or like find ways to manipulate people into being at war and launching those missiles in order to force humans to become colonizers of other planets in order to you know become an advanced race or did the aliens kidnap them on the way into the ship and then create this fake scenario as an experiment to see if they would do it if put in that situation but not actually do it like in other words did they did they really we know that they were involved in it being an experiment of some sort or or them getting analysis but did they physically destroy the earth as part of their analysis or did they create a simulation that they are now studying while you know everything is is as fine as can be um, on the earth I, I, that's sort of like the one hang up that I have but it's a good hang up because it's like something to think about one last point I uh, I was listening to the show last week and um, uh, I forgot the, the man's name but uh, I really enjoy the, the recordings from um, the guy who uh, writes in or, or I guess uh, sends recordings in from Texas and uh, he was talking about not watching the trailers and then Tom you were talking about that too and I deliberately didn't watch the trailer this week so I'm going to go in fresh and see how it works 
Just figured I'd put that out there. See if that's a that's a movement. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yes, NASA, let's get this movement going. Harold started it, I joined the cause, and now NASA's chiming in as well. The thing is as well, by the time we get to the end, we're, we're looking at all these links here. Our episodes are linked together just for a bit of fun. Is it just a kind of nice little thing to keep us talking? Or is it actually leading to something more substantial in that the last episode will kind of tie this up in a way that we've never seen on the Twilight Zone before. I mean, even just having those links for the sake of it, for a bit of fun, is something we've never seen on the Twilight Zone before, you know, beyond some whiskey brands and so on. So, if that is indeed the case, then I don't want to see that last episode trailer and put two and two together, if there is any sort of clues in it then I want to be completely fresh on that. So I am completely team no previews and I'm going to stay that way for the rest of the season. So this is this has been a, a good one. You know, I've enjoyed hearing everyone's thoughts on this. And the next episode is called Not All Men, which drops on Thursday the 9th. Now, again, it might be one where I don't get my episode out until the 12th. I'm going to try for the 11th, but we'll see how the time goes. But don't let that stop you from dropping your thoughts in. If you could have them to me by the end of the day, so by midnight, wherever you live, on Sunday the 12th of May, that would be great. And uh, we'll put this listener feedback show together too. So that episode is called Not All Men. If you want to send some thoughts in by email, then I should have a bit more time this time round. But of course, as I've said throughout it, if you record the clip, it will definitely get onto the show. The emails, I appreciate, and I, and I really like people writing in too. So don't let it put you off, but unfortunately, it's all about time. Putting out two podcasts a week is quite time-consuming, so some things might have to be trimmed down or not used at all, depending on what time I have to do it. So the next episode's called Not All Men, and I will speak to you next time. Bye for now.